the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park, W262CP Bayonet Point. Brought to you by Moss Nissan. Locations in portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Paul makes a contrast between the blessings of salvation which come about by faith alone in Christ with the curse of the law which comes by trying to attain salvation by keeping the law. You see, in these verses, Paul explains, note this, the absolute hopelessness of trying to be saved and justified by keeping the law of God. Because he tells us, that those who do this are actually cursed by God. Now, this often comes as quite a startling surprise to those who have been raised to think that the way to go to heaven is by being religious, by doing the best you can, by observing the Ten Commandments as well as you can. What's the scariest thing anyone ever said to you? For me, it was my mother's reply when, as a teenager looking for answers in life, I asked her how a person gets to heaven. What did she say that was so alarming? Well, she told me that she supposed that we got to heaven by doing more good things than bad things. Oh my, (laughs) have you ever thought about the consequences if that was true? First, we'd need to keep some sort of a tally sheet and keep track of all the good and bad things that we've done for all of our lives, every moment of the day. But to do that, we'd first need to know what things God considers good and what things He considers bad. Related to that is the idea that we can earn a ticket to heaven by obeying God's commandments, always obeying them, all of them, every second of every day, day and night. Even just a moment, I'll tell you, of loving someone or something more than God, and we've already blown the first commandment. Many people believe and teach that obeying the commandments is the path to eternal life. That is not what the Bible teaches, as we'll see today on Verse by Verse. Welcome. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher. He's the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Today we're beginning a new series of lessons from the book of Galatians, and we'll be learning about the real purpose God had in giving us the Ten Commandments. Here's Pastor Steve now with today's lesson. Several years ago, after completing a late afternoon run in my neighborhood, I was walking back to my house when a young man started talking to me. Now, I don't recall exactly how the conversation began, but I think he may have alluded to the fact that I looked like I was dying in the heat and humidity of the hot Florida sun. And the reason I say that is because those who who run in the heat of the day in Florida can look pretty bad. They look like they're about to expire. 
And whenever somebody brings up the subject of death, it is relatively easy to shift the conversation to spiritual matters. And apparently that's what I was able to do. And so I think that this is how our talk may have started. But regardless of how it began, I know that in the course of our brief discussion, this young man made the comment that he had always kept the Ten Commandments, to which I then asked him if he knew what they were. And surprise, he didn't know what they were. He didn't know any of them, but he was sure that he had kept the Ten Commandments. Now, folks, over the years, I have noticed that there are many people like that. Many people have the same kind of confidence. They are quite certain that they are good enough to go to heaven because they think that they have kept the Ten Commandments, or at least kept enough of the commandments so that they think that their good outweighs their bad. And so they think that when they die, God is going to accept them into heaven on the merits of their goodness. Well, if there's anyone in attendance today who thinks like that, then you're in for a big shock this morning, a big shock, because you are going to have your belief shattered by God himself. You see, this morning we have arrived at a passage of Scripture, of the Word of God in our study of Galatians, in which the Apostle Paul teaches that it is impossible to be saved, or in his word, justified by observing the law of God. And the particular scripture that I am referring to is Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. I read part of it earlier because I wanted you to be exposed to it a couple of times, but let me read it to you now. Galatians 3, starting in verse 10. Paul writes, For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things, written in the book of the law to perform them. Now, that no one is justified by the law before God is evident. For the righteous man shall live by faith. However, the law is not of faith. On the contrary, he who practices them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In order that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, at first glance, these verses may appear to be difficult and challenging to understand because Paul quotes several times from some Old Testament verses that we just may not be very familiar with. He also uses a few words that may sound somewhat foreign to us. For example, he mentions the word curse several times in these verses. And most of us, when we think of a curse, we think of cursing someone by using vulgar language. But we may not be familiar with what it means when God curses somebody. Paul also speaks of being redeemed in the sense of Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. And that's not a concept that many of us are familiar with either. But the most predominant word that Paul uses in this brief passage is the word law, the law. Five times in this one passage, Paul mentions the word law, which is a reference to the moral laws of God, the holy precepts of God, the moral statutes of God, as opposed to all the ceremonial regulations that were really unique to Israel and to the Jewish people. And it is the subject of God's moral laws around which everything else in this passage revolves, including the concepts of being cursed and redeemed. So why does Paul at this point choose to focus 
on the law of God in these verses. Well, keep in mind that throughout this entire letter, the apostle has been arguing against the message of the Judaizers, the false teachers who believe that justification came about by obedience to the law. They also acknowledge that, yes, it's good to believe in Jesus, but that isn't enough, they said, to save you. You need to add law to your faith. They believe that the way to be right with God was by believing in Christ as well as by observing the various laws that God revealed in his word. And this is precisely what they had been teaching the Galatians, the Gentile Galatians. You see, after Paul had led the Galatians to faith in Christ, these men came down from Jerusalem and they contradicted the apostle. They said, look, he's wrong. You're Gentiles, we're Jews. Let us teach you and instruct you in the way of salvation. And so they told the Galatians that it wasn't enough to believe in Jesus. That was just a starting point. They said that they needed to add to their faith the works of law-keeping if they ever hoped to be justified by God. So in an attempt to convince them that this is wrong and that they do need to return to the biblical message of salvation by grace, Paul has been arguing against this heresy since the start of this letter. Therefore, beginning with the opening verses of chapter 3, the apostle has been focusing his attention on several specific issues related to the error of the Judaizers. As you'll recall in the passage just before our present one, Paul focused on one issue, and that is the issue of justification by faith. His emphasis is on faith, not by works of any kind. And he stressed in this passage, it has always been that way. He actually argued along three lines. His first argument related to Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, the patriarch of the Jewish people, the man who was really a hero to the Judaizers because Abraham was the first one to be circumcised, and they believed that salvation began with circumcision. That's how you entered into Judaism. But what Paul teaches is that, no, that's not the case. Abraham was justified by faith alone. He quotes from Genesis 15, 6, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. In this one statement, Paul clearly demonstrates that Abraham was justified simply because he believed God. His circumcision was years after this. But Paul didn't leave it at that. He wanted the Galatians to connect the dots and see how this truth applied to them, that this wasn't an isolated incident in Abraham's life, but it was true for all of us. All of us are saved the same way. And so after stating that faith was the way that Abraham was saved, Paul gave a second point in his argument concerning justification by faith, by stating that the way to become a child of Abraham and thus a child of God was by being justified in the same way that father Abraham was, by faith in God's promise. Notice verse 7. Therefore, he says, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. That is to say, Paul wants the Gentile Galatians to understand they didn't need to be circumcised or become Jewish in order to become a child of Abraham. They just needed to have the same faith that Abraham had, faith in what God had promised. Now, the third way that Paul argued for the truth of justification was by showing the Galatians that in the promise that God made originally to Abraham, there was the gospel. He gave Abraham a number of promises. One of those promises was the gospel. 
the promise that God was going to bless the Gentiles of the world by justifying them through faith. Notice verse 8. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel. When he says scripture, he's equating it with God because scripture is God's word. So we could say God preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying all the nations will be blessed in you. Now, although this statement Like many of the details that would later be revealed in the gospel message, this was the promise of the gospel in embryonic form. That in one of Abraham's descendants, meaning Jesus Christ, the Gentile families of the world would be blessed with salvation. In other words, this is a promise that Christ, a physical son of Abraham, would die for the sins of many from amongst the Gentiles and thus become, note this, not only the Savior to Jewish people, but the Savior of the world. What Paul wants the Galatians to understand is that this has always been God's plan to justify Gentiles by faith, never by law, never by circumcision, never by works. They don't have to become Jewish to be justified. They simply need to place their trust In Jesus Christ, the seed of Abraham for the blessings of salvation. So we can see that in using the example of Abraham, Paul has been stressing this one particular truth, that justification is by faith alone. And that it has always been this way because this is the way that God ordained to save his people. But note this, beginning with verse 10, Paul shifts his attention from emphasizing this very positive truth that salvation is by faith to arguing something that is quite negative. He argues the impossibility of being justified by law. And in doing so, Paul makes a contrast between the blessings of salvation, which come about by faith alone in Christ, with the curse of the law, which comes by trying to attain salvation by keeping the law. You see, in these verses, Paul explains, note this, the absolute hopelessness of trying to be saved and justified by keeping the law of God. Because he tells us that those who do this are actually cursed by God. Now this often comes as quite a startling surprise to those who have been raised to think that the way to go to heaven is by being religious, by doing the best you can, by observing the Ten Commandments, as well as you can. My grandparents on my dad's side believed this way. They were Orthodox Jews and were zealous in trying to observe the Mosaic Law to the point that they would not even ride in a car on the Sabbath, on Saturday, because they felt that this violated the law concerning work. Now, I don't mean that they they wouldn't drive a car. I mean they wouldn't sit in the back and have somebody else drive them. They felt that somehow getting into a car and having someone drive them, that that was work. But that's how dedicated they were to thinking that they had to keep the law to earn righteousness. And I have an entire group of relatives uh, from that side of the family who live in the city of Jerusalem who believe the same way. They believe that the way to go to heaven is by keeping the law of Moses. And you know what? There are many people today, both Jewish and non-Jewish, who believe with all their heart that the way to get to heaven is by just being good, which they interpret to mean obeying the Ten Commandments, even if they don't always know what those commandments are. 
Now this morning, as we go through these verses in Galatians 3, we are going to see how Paul destroys the confidence of those who think that they can be saved by the law, by arguing that it is impossible to be justified by obeying the commandments of God. And he does this by giving several reasons, three to be specific, three reasons why it is impossible to be justified by law. But that's not all Paul does. After destroying the hope of all who might have thought that the law could save them, Paul offers them great hope, the only hope that they can possibly have by declaring Christ's work of redemption. So here's what he does. Here's the way it unfolds. First, Paul destroys false hope. Then he establishes true hope. He offers it in Christ. Now, if you're already a believer, if you're already convinced that the law could never save you, then you need to still pay close attention because these are the arguments you need to use when witnessing to unsaved people. This is the ammunition that we use when somebody we witness to thinks that they're good enough to get to heaven by their own. And they are self-righteous. This is what you need to tell them because this is what the word of God says. So let's get into our text and discover the various reasons Paul gives concerning why we could never be justified by the law. The first reason he gives for the impossibility of justification by law is this, because the law demands perfection. The law demands perfection. Galatians 3.10, for as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Now, having already shown the Galatians what faith could do, it could bless them, it would bless them with with justification. Paul now shows them what human effort in trying to keep the law does. It places them under a divine curse. Paul says, for as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, as I said earlier, when, when we think, of a curse, of cursing someone, we think of vulgar and crude language. We think of dirty speech that insults another person. But in Scripture, a curse is a divine judgment from God, a divine judgment that brings with it the sentence of condemnation. In other words, Paul is saying that those who attempt to live by the law of God bring the curse of God's wrath and judgment upon themselves. Now, the Judaizers would have been highly offended and insulted to hear such a thing, that God curses anyone who attempts to live by his laws. Ridiculous, they would have said. But there are many today who would react the same way, by being offended with such words, because they like to think of God as one who only blesses people who try to do good, and not someone who curses people who attempt to live by by his own rules by his own laws, but Paul said that those who try to live and be justified by the law are cursed by God and not blessed. And this wasn't his opinion. This is what the law itself taught. You see, to the Judaizers who would have vehemently objected to Paul's assertion that those who try to live by the law are cursed with divine condemnation, Paul reminded them that this is what their very own law taught. Quoting from the last book of the law, from Deuteronomy 27, verse 26, the first five books of Moses are called the law, the Pentateuch, or or the Torah. It means the same thing, the law. Paul restated the words that God gave to the children 
of Israel through Moses as they were about to enter the promised land for the first time. He said, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law to perform them. Now, this is an incredibly important verse of Scripture, and yet it is a verse that the Judaizers, as well as many other biblically oriented people, have failed to take note of. It is the concluding verse to a series of curses that Moses commanded the children of Israel to pronounce upon themselves from Mount Ebal as they initially entered the promised land. What Moses did as the children of Israel were about to cross from the the Jordan or over the Jordan, remember they had been wandering for about 40 years, but now they are about to enter the land. And once they cross the Jordan, they will be in the land of promise. And Moses commands them to divide the nation into two groups. So you have six tribes over here, six tribes over here. One group was to go up on Mount Gerizim, shouting out blessings for obedience to the law. The other group was to go up on Mount Ebal, shouting out curses for disobedience to the law. They apparently did this going, going back and forth like a, like a choir. One finishes, the other starts. Something Like if you've ever been to a Buccaneers game, on one side of the stadium, they yell out Tampa. The other side yells back Bay. Must have been something like that. Blessings, then cursings. And so according to Deuteronomy 27, we read such curses upon the people as cursed is the man who makes an idol. Cursed is he who dishonors his father or mother. Cursed is he who distorts justice to a foreigner, an orphan, or a widow. And there are other curses for sexual sins, for taking a bribe, for striking a neighbor and an innocent person. And then at the end of all these specific curses for specific sins, we read this. Cursed is he who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. And Paul, based on the way he quoted this verse in Deuteronomy 27, says that the meaning of this text is that everyone is cursed who does not obey all of the law. In other words, he's saying that the law requires, note this, this is critical, the law requires perfect obedience, not occasional half-hearted obedience. And those who fail to perfectly and completely obey the law at all times are cursed by God and therefore will experience his divine judgment. Now pay close attention to what I'm about to say and you'll, you'll understand why. God curses those who fail to obey even the smallest detail of his law. It's because God looks upon his law as a whole, as an indivisible and undivided unit, not as miscellaneous and random parts that we can choose to obey or not obey. You see, the law is one whole complete entity, and so it must be obeyed in its entirety or else God considers it not kept at all. It's like, it's like a chain that has many links to it. So it really doesn't matter if one link is broken or several links are broken because the chain is one entity. If you break one link, you've broken the whole thing. That's something like what the law is like. This is not simply taught in the Old Testament. It's taught in the New Testament as well. And it wasn't just taught by Paul. It was taught by James. James and in 2.10 says this, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point has become guilty of all. It's the same truth Paul is teaching here. It's the same truth the law taught. 
Now, folks, the point that the Apostle Paul is making is that if somebody hopes to be justified by keeping the law, then all he has to do is keep all of it because the passing grade to get into heaven is 100% perfect obedience all the time. Not 98, not 99, 100% obedience. That sounds grim, doesn't it? Well, let's not forget those very important words, but God. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You've been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to know more about Lakeside, check out the website at lakesidechapel.com. Or you can call Lakeside at 727-441-1714. That's 727-441-1714 or lakesidechapel.com. Verse by Verse is a listener-supported ministry, and we're thankful for the listeners who give and pray in order to make these Bible classes possible. If you'd like to make a gift, there's a secure and convenient giving page on our website, versebyverseradio.org. There's also a large audio library on the message archive. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.